0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at joeorico 99 That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O 99. You guys get all of my fantasy baseball content when you follow over there. These podcasts, my weekend articles, my Twitter threads, obviously. Everything is over on the Bird app. Really appreciate you guys checking us out over there. Got a busy day ahead of us. We're going to be looking back on yesterday's top performers. There was a couple of really great pitching performances we're going to get into. A couple of position players as well. But I think uh, pitchers stole the day yesterday. I think that's a pretty fair statement. So we'll go through some of yesterday's top guys. We'll look at the waiver wire and we'll see who's being added, who's being dropped, what makes sense right now. We are entering into the playoffs. Some of you are already in playoff mode. So these adds and drops are just getting more important every single day. So that's why we continue to go through the waiver wire here See who the community is valuing and who they are discarding at this point in the season. We'll also look at a couple pitching matchups tonight. There is one in the National League that is incredible. Must watch if you're on the West Coast. Even if you're on the East Coast, it might be worth staying up past your bedtime a little bit. And uh, getting in a few innings of these starters. There's one as well on the East Coast that we'll talk about, but the West Coast game we'll we'll mention at the end of the episode. is definitely the one that I'm going to be keeping an eye on tonight. So why don't we get started by looking back on yesterday? Jordan Montgomery has been one of the best stories we've seen in these last couple of weeks. He won three games all season for the New York Yankees, which was ridiculous. He pitched very well. He just wasn't getting any run support when he was on the mound, or he'd get three runs, and then he'd allow three runs that start. It was just always bad luck for Jordan Montgomery in a Yankee uniform, at least this season in terms of getting victories. The the rest of what he's done, very serviceable. Since joining the Cardinals, it's been four starts, and he has won all four of them. (laughs) <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to not say the universe is trying to tell the Yankees something here. It was a poor trade. Uh, I think we all kind of saw it at the time, listening back to the trade deadline show a couple days after we did it. Nobody was really that excited about that trade. I mean, if you're a Cardinals fan, you were probably pretty happy you traded Harrison Bader, who had not played much this year, for a very solid left-handed arm in Montgomery, who has now won four straight games. He has only won seven games this whole season, four of them with the Cardinals. In his last four starts in those victories, 32 innings. He struck out 33 batters. He has a 2.53 ERA and a .88 whip. That's fantastic. What he did yesterday, according to Rasball, was one of the top five starts that we've seen a pitcher have this season. It was nine innings. It was a complete game, one hitter, seven strikeouts against the Cubs at Wrigley. Unbelievable stuff out of Jordan Montgomery. He's not going to be available really anywhere. Um, maybe in some shallower leagues he'll be available. And, and there you kind of... I don't know if it's necessary that you add him in your really shallow leagues, but I think, you know, 10-team and above, he's a guy who should be rostered. He's 79% owned right now on Yahoo. Was it 75 a few days ago? He's certainly gone up. And he is the 88th-ranked player for the season over on Yahoo in terms of standard 5x5. So he should be rostered pretty much everywhere. Uh, Like I said, 79, so he's already pretty much picked up, but there are going to be a couple of leagues, perhaps, where you can still get your hands on some Jordan Montgomery, like I said, uh, not a lot, probably not as competitive of formats. But at this time of year, people have their, you know, distractions are all over the place with different sports coming back in and whatnot. So maybe he's just slipped through the cracks in your league. It is possible. I'd go and check it out and make sure he's not there. Another guy I'd make sure is certainly not there is Edward Cabrera. Another dominant start for him. It's his fourth consecutive outing without allowing any earned run. So he went eight innings, struck out seven, Walked three batters, which obviously isn't great, but he only allowed two hits and did not allow any runs to Oakland. Now, yes, it's Oakland, but still, he's done well in his previous starts against San Diego, Philadelphia, and Chicago as well. It's not like we can just write this off as, oh, he beat up on a bad team. The walks are definitely something we'd like to see him get under control. He's walked at least two batters in every single game. But the strikeouts have been there. He's been dominant. He has really been dominant pitching for a team that – Just seems to churn out great pitching consistently for these last few years between Alcantara and Pablo Lopez. And, I mean, Trevor Rogers. it seemed like for a while, and obviously going back a few years, Jose Fernandez. There's a lot of great pitchers that have come out of Miami in the last five or seven years. Cabrera is only 59% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. He's definitely jumping up and up. And every day when you check, probably every hour at this point, It's going to be going up a little bit. So, Edward Cabrera is definitely a rest-of-season kind of guy you're going to want to have on your rosters, any kind of format. He is a massive buy right now. I think that his value is skyrocketing. Maybe people aren't going to be so tuned in. Like I said, there's a lot of distractions this time of year. You might be able to just pick him up off the waiver wire or acquire him for maybe something a little bit lower than it should cost in a Keeper Dynasty kind of format. So, Edward Cabrera, I'm absolutely all in on. He's looked fantastic. Let's talk about Jake Odorizzi. He was one of my big targets heading into yesterday. He's a two-start guy for the week, and his first one yesterday was against Pittsburgh, and he delivered six innings, seven strikeouts, one earned run on four hits. Now, his second start of the week will be St. Louis. I think it's scheduled for Sunday. A little bit more tricky there, but he did his job here for sure. I added him in a few leagues where I really just need a boost in wins and strikeouts. My ratios should be okay, and adding in someone like Odorizzi, it's, I'm I'm not going to say a risk, but it's, it's a little bit risky. He's definitely the worst player on those rosters where I added, or the worst pitcher anyway. And you take a bit of a risk, but this time of year, the leagues where I added him, I need to make that push for playoff spots. There's one of them where I'm in the last playoff spot, I want to try and move up a little bit, and there's another league where I added him where I just want to try and secure myself a first-round buy for next week. Jake Odorizzi is not somebody that I think is a must-roster player by any means. I think for this week, he was a very strong add, but if you didn't add him already for yesterday, I don't think that there's much point in doing it now just for a Cardinal start that's five days away. I don't think that that's really going to make too much sense. If you did add him yesterday and you put him in, specifically in weekly changes leagues, obviously he's just there now for you for, until Sunday, depending on your settings. Some, some weekly changes leagues, you can reset your lineup halfway through. But I think for the most part... Um, that was that was the value there for Odorizzi was going to be last night holding him past this yes obviously weekly changes you got the two starts you're going to be keeping him there if you're in a daily changes league i don't know that it's going to be so necessary to hang on to him for that sunday start against st louis i just it's a very risky matchup it's going to be either your first sunday of the playoffs or it'll be likely your last Sunday heading into playoffs. There are a few leagues that have another week next week of regular season play, but we're starting to really get into crunch time here. And I don't think that Jake Odorizzi is, is going to be a a rest of season kind of option there. So bank the production this week and then be happy to move on. I think is uh, is the best advice I can give you there. Drew Smiley had a very good start as well on the other side of Jordan Montgomery. He went seven innings, struck out six, gave a one earned run, walked two and allowed four hits. Drew Smiley is another guy who I don't have a ton of faith in, really. He's done he's done a good job recently over the last month. A two thirty eight ERA, 32 strikeouts, and 34 innings. And a whip that is just over one. It's 1.03. He's just another guy that I don't know that I'm going to have, really, rest-of-season faith in him. His next start is against the Brewers, and I think that that's – I think it's a coin flip, really, depending on where you are in your week at the time. If you really need it, then I'd go for it, but I – I don't know that he is somebody that I'm going to be doing everything I can to get him in the lineup or anything like that. He's done very well. I just think there are better options there if you're looking to add pitchers in. And on Sunday, especially, like I said, it might be your first Sunday of the playoffs and you just need all hands on deck there. I'm not totally sold that Drew Smiley is going to be a guy who is going to lead you to the promised land kind of thing. So he's done a good job here and you've been able to bank some good production out of him now for a better part of a month. But I think you got to be very ready to drop him here. If not before this Brewers start, then you start him there and then you drop him right after. Because I don't think that there's that much value really to be had in Drew Smiley. Not pitching for a great team, uh, the wins are not going to be so abundant. Strikeouts are just mediocre. I'm, I'm not so sold on Smiley. We talked about this yesterday. I'd rather take the mediocre pitcher who's pitching for a great team as opposed to a guy who's maybe the same level of pitcher, but just pitching for a worse team. Uh, it seems pretty obvious, but just want to reiterate these things. We are in crunch time. This is absolute crunch time. And if the options are Drew Smiley or, let's say, Ross Stripling, who's a pitcher who's probably in a similar level of talent, maybe a little bit better than Smiley, but I'll take him 100 times out of 100 just because he plays for a team that's likely to be winning more games here down the stretch. So that's where I see it. I think that's probably where a lot of people see it. Some people will still hold Drew Smiley, and if you're in like a 15-team league, yeah, there's not so many options there. You need warm bodies. If you're in a 10- or a 12-team league and you've added him in, you've streamed him in these last couple of weeks, uh, good for you because he's produced, but don't get too attached. I think I'd be pretty ready to drop him, like I said, either before that Brewers start or directly after. Let's keep it going, and we'll switch things up and talk about a position player for a second here. We talked about him yesterday, but he did it again. Albert Pujols hit another home run yesterday. This is going to be one of the best stories in all of baseball this season. And fantasy-wise, sure, it's a nice fantasy story. I've added him in a couple of leagues. He's hit a couple of home runs. It's been great. Especially I've talked about it at length. I grew up admiring him. He's my favorite baseball player. And now, uh actually, let me just quote something that Jeff Passon said first real quickly uh, over on Twitter. So Jeff Passan was talking about the leaders in OPS since the All-Star break. Minimum 50 plate appearances. And Albert Pujols leads by more than 200 points there. He's just been unreal. He is ahead of Aaron Judge, Paul Goldschmidt, and all the rest. He has just been old-fashioned Pujols. This is like the best stretch. This is the hottest stretch he's ever had in his career. He is somebody that me personally, and I'm a little bit biased on him, but I'm going to be adding him in a lot of different leagues and specifically in daily changes leagues when he's facing left-handed pitching, you slide him into the lineup. Part of me thinks that the Cardinals will use him more against righties down the stretch here just to try and get him as many ABs as possible, try and get him those last seven home runs here. I would be adding him in a lot of formats. I think 12-team and deeper, especially daily changes. Now, if it's a 12-team, weekly changes, you might be risking it a little bit. He's an old guy. Who knows what the hell's going to happen here? I love him to death, but I don't know that we can rely on him so much against everybody. In left Against left-handed pitching, I'm all there. I think it's worth a chance. But I'm not sure if it's just, you know, your standard 12-team weekly changes league. I'm not going to set him and forget him exactly. I'd love to, and this, is, this has been a complete joy to watch. I just don't know if I'm quite there yet of like, yep, I'm, I'm in he's, he's into the lineup like it took me a while and maybe it's a fault of mine but even with like Matt Carpenter he was hot for a good couple weeks and I was still saying like yeah daily changes I'm thinking daily changes because it was the, kind of the reverse thing right against lefties he wasn't going to play so much if it's against right-handed pitching then he was a guy that was you know you stick him into the rust into your lineup as the season moved on i changed my tune on him, and I said, okay, you know what? He's playing well enough at this point. You stick him in there, weekly changes, whatever. Any format, he's a must-start. I'm not quite there with Albert yet. I'm pretty close, but I'm not quite sold that this is just what he's going to do the rest of the year. I hope it it is. I hope he gets 710 home runs. I really do. And I think just based on what he's been doing recently, he is a must-add in points leagues and it daily changes leagues that are deeper than 12 teams. I would be taking a chance on him, but I'm not quite there in a weekly setting yet. I love him, but I'm just not quite there. Let's bounce back to a pitcher here, Ronzi Contreras. He is really, honestly, a lot better than I gave him credit for, and that a lot of people gave him credit for. Seven innings last night against the Braves, four hits, three walks, five strikeouts on 89 pitches through seven innings. Now, my main thing with Contreras when he came up was he's going to have to be pretty much damn near perfect on the Pirates to have fantasy value. It's just very hard for a team that's not going to win a lot of games. And, I mean, he's thrown 63 innings. He has three victories. That has been the case, right? He's not winning a lot of games. But he's striking out close to a batter per inning. He's given you pretty good ratios, a 3.86 ERA and a one thirty seven whip. And he's still pretty widely available. Now, there are definitely guys I would prioritize over Contreras. Um, You know, George Kirby, uh, Justin Steele, Reed Detmers, if you can get those guys still, then I would absolutely go for them. I think that there is more promise there as a whole. For the most part, better teams, more win opportunities. But Contreras is a decent option, especially in deeper formats, if you can't get your hands on one of those more prized uh, younger guys. I mean, obviously, Contreras is a prized younger guy as well. I just don't think I see him in that same group. Personally, as a guy like Justin Steele in particular and George Kirby, those guys have been playing their asses off, and they are complete must-roster players. Contreras, right now, currently 14% rostered on Yahoo. I think that he is more of a deep league guy and a streamer in your standard size leagues. I wouldn't be sprinting over to add him, but I definitely would keep him in mind for nice streaming opportunities uh, down the stretch here, even in 12s. Even in 12s, I think that there's going to be some matchups there in that division where you would be like, okay... Uh, I'm, I'm all right to start him here. I'll stream him in, but I don't think that he necessarily needs uh, a solidified must roster spot on, on any team that's uh, 12 teams or shallower, any league that is 12 teams or shallower, I should say. I just want to spend a couple minutes here talking about JJ Bleday because he's actually been really solid recently. And personally, I've always been a big fan of JJ Bleday. So a few years ago, I was down in Cuba with my family. It would have been 2019, and there wasn't so much uh, in terms of channels. There was maybe 10, 15 channels, nothing we have here at home. Uh, but they did have ESPN2. That was the one thing that you could find. It wasn't the greatest picture there where we were. But that's what they had for sports content. Now, I was missing out on a few different things. I remember I wanted to see the NBA draft and a couple of other things. But they had the NCAA tournament on, the, ba- the baseball tournament in 2019. And I got a huge kick out of watching, in particular, Kumar Rocker, because he was just ridiculous there. Um, But J.J. Bladet as well. J.J. Bladet was also a standout for Vanderbilt. It's not such a stretch to see somebody playing for Vanderbilt and think that they're going to be successful. But J.J. Bladet just kind of had that vibe about him where I I was pretty sure that he was going to be a good player. Now, Kumar Rocker is somebody I still think is going to be a stud one day. But J.J. Bladet... Uh, you know, he came up this season and he kind of flew under the radar. And I remember we had Paul Spohr on a few weeks back and the two of us were talking about how much we really like JJ Blade and how he's not really such a hot prospect, really. I mean, he was a high draft pick. He was like the third overall draft pick or something, but he's not usually mentioned in the same breath as those other elite prospects. And maybe he's not elite, but he's really damn good. So what he's done so far, he's had 94 at-bats, 11 runs scored, which is whatever, can't really control that much, But he's got four home runs and three stolen bases and 94 at-bats. I think that that is really interesting, and especially in the last two weeks, three home runs and two steals over his last 42 at-bats. Yesterday, he stole a base again. He went two for three, drove in a run. I'm starting to get interested in J.J. Blade here. In a 5 outfielder league, I'm adding J.J. Blade for that power speed boost here down the stretch. He's going to have regular playing time or fairly regular playing time anyway. He's playing most days, batting fourth or fifth, I'm there uh, in deeper leagues. Now, I'm not adding him in your standard 12-team leagues or 10-team leagues. It's just, it doesn't make sense there. Three outfielders, 10-team, 12-team leagues, just there's no room for him. When you start talking about five outfielder formats, 15-team leagues, uh, you know different kind of expanded formats, there's some leagues, there's like five, seven outfielder spots. Uh, it, it's really up, up to your settings. But anywhere more than three outfielders and anything deeper than 12 teams, I think I'm taking a flyer on J.J. Bleday. He's about three percent rostered, four percent rostered. I think he's essentially free at this point. I know I, I hate that saying, but it's it's true. People aren't going to be spending a lot of fab money on him. Probably not going to be using a high waiver priority if you use a waiver system because he's not the sexiest, and it's really the batting average. He's batting 213, which is obviously not great. But when you look at the home runs and the steals, you got to think, okay, that's pretty valuable. In and of itself, even if the batting average isn't so grand, I mean, we've seen it with Cody Bellinger this year, you know, steals and home runs with a low batting average for the most part has meant you're holding on. Not to say that JJ Bleday is Cody Bellinger, but that's the kind of production we've been seeing on a per game basis, you know, some home runs, some steals, low batting average, decent other stats. Points leagues and deeper leagues here for J.J. Blade, because points leagues, that batting average does not matter at all. But those home runs and steals really do add up. I'm very interested in a speculative ad here of J.J. Blade. I'm loving what he's doing. I've been a fan of him for years, and I think that he can have some decent value here down the stretch. Now, he's not a must-roster player by any means. This is a speculative ad that I think may pay dividends down the line here. Over the last couple weeks, he's just outside the top 100 kind of flying under the radar. Uh, I, I would take a chance on JJ Bladay here, uh, given the right format and situation. Let's keep it going now with our waiver wire portion of the show. If you guys are new here, what I do every single day is I talk about the most added and dropped players across fantasy baseball, usually about five or seven ads and five or seven drops. Now I say that knowing that there's probably not that many new people checking out fantasy baseball pods at the end of August. But if you are listening to us for the first time, welcome, but also that is what we do here. So, The number one ad today, kind of mystifyingly, is Pete Fairbanks. He's gotten a couple of saves recently for Tampa Bay, and I think they wanted to give him the night off yesterday. That was their goal. So the save went to Sean Armstrong, who I'm not that familiar with, really. Uh, It was his first save of the season for the Rays. It just kind of goes to show you, you don't really know what they're going to do on any given night. Now, Pete Fairbanks had gotten the previous two nights' saves, so it's possible they wanted to give him a night off. In fact, it's likely. But then why didn't they go to Jason Adam? Jason Adam, it seems like he would be the guy that they'd go to even ahead of Fairbanks, arguably. I mean, not so much arguably. I think it's, I think Jason Adam's a better pitcher than Fairbanks. Uh, I don't think that is that close, really. I, I would take Adam in a heartbeat. And he's not getting those save opportunities. He got the, a hold here yesterday. He threw one inning, struck out the side. He also walked a batter. I would have really liked him to have gotten the opportunity instead of this Armstrong fellow. But that is the Rays for you. That is why I try to avoid the Rays bullpen situation as much as I can. It is a nightmare in fantasy. And if you can't avoid it, I'm trying to stay away. Now, Fairbanks is probably the safest ad. It makes sense that they just gave him a night off yesterday because he pitched the previous two days. So I'm not not worried this Armstrong guy is not going to take over um, the ninth inning role. But if you can avoid the situation, I would be trying to avoid it. Uh, If you can get yourself another closer, like I'd rather have Alexis Diaz, or maybe you can scoop up a David Robertson still. Uh, Even Rowan Wick, who has struggled a bit recently, I think I'd still rather take him. Just because it's a little more, I don't know, I'm a little more sure of what the Cubs and the Reds and the Phillies are going to do in the ninth, eighth inning than what the Rays are going to do. The Rays are just a total wild card. You can pick up these guys hoping for saves, and they might get four saves in a week. They might get zero. It's really, truly impossible. And I know most closers are like that, but with the Rays, I mean, with most teams you're adding a closer, at least you know that if a save opportunity comes up, that guy is going to get it. With the Rays, anybody's guess on any given night who's going to be getting a save. So I think Fairbanks is an okay ad, but I think I would definitely rather have pretty much any other closer in baseball ahead of him just because... Of the committee approach and because you don't really know what's going to happen uh, night to night but enough with Pete Fairbanks let's talk about for another split second here Albert Pujols he's the second most added player today the number two player over the last week and the number two player over the last two weeks he's batten 458 over the last month which is 48 at bats for him we don't need to spend too much more time on Albert I don't think I'm adding him in a lot of different places at this point not in weekly leagues but in most daily leagues, 12 teams and deeper, uh, I'm going to be taking a chance on pool holes. Partly I'm biased, yes, but that is where I stand on him. Rega- trying to remove the bias from the situation. He's been excellent, and he needs to be added in a lot of formats. Let's talk about Ross Stripling. I would mentioned him yesterday as being a pretty solid two-start guy for the week. I think that of the three I mentioned, he's probably in the middle there between Nick Lodolo and Jake Odorizzi. It, you could honestly kind of throw them at the wall, and wherever they stick, you just go with that order. It's hard to really rank them. But Ross Stripling has two starts this week. Red Sox tonight. Angels should be on Sunday, I believe. So that's a pretty decent little two-step there. There's not really anybody else I'm going to trust at this point. If you missed out on Odorizzi yesterday, maybe you were a little slow on the draw. I would be probably trying to go with, uh, with Ross Stripling. Now, you can go for Nick Lodolo, and I think that that's an all-right option here. I think that he's fine. He's going to be getting the Phillies and then the Nationals later in the week. So you're taking a little bit more of a chance, I think, with Lodolo. It's it's hard to say. Nationals, Phillies, does that equal Red Sox and Angels? Skill-wise, talent-wise, they're pretty close. I think I'm going to take Stripling, though. It's Again, close, but the better team is the Blue Jays there. Probably, hopefully, you get one win out of Stripling to go along with. Decent strikeouts and decent ratios. Ladolo, I think, is a bit more of a wild card. So I think Stripling here is a good add if you still can. Uh, Get those two starts out of him and hope for the best, really. But I think that this Red Sox one is a great option. And then later in the week, the Angels as well. Two teams that, obviously, Red Sox offense is better than the Angels, but both teams that I think he should be able to deal with. We've seen him deal with the Red Sox already, and he's done a good job against really all the American League East teams this season. So for me, Ross Stripling, probably the best option you can have at this point if you're trying to maximize volume. You get those two starts. If you can add in him and Lodolo and you really want to be ballsy about it, go ahead. But I think I'm gonna prefer stripling there if if given just the one choice. Austin Voth, Voth. I think it's Voth. I'm not really sure actually, but uh he is being added up today ahead of his start against the White Sox. Not really gonna be so interested here. He's done a good job over his last few outings, but There's only so far a guy like this can go and have value. He's had, you know, decent strikeouts to go with poor ratios this season. It's crunch time. I'm not trusting him. That's pretty much what it boils down to. Don't need to get too much more complicated than that. Uh, I'm not really going to be so interested here. Jake Fraley, he's another guy being added up. We talked about him. The streak could end any day. He was over four yesterday, so maybe that is the end of his hot streak. I don't really know, but he is definitely someone that I don't trust. Do not trust him as far as I can throw him here. He's just not somebody with the track record. He can steal some bases, maybe hit a couple of home runs for you. But overall, I think that the hot streak is mostly likely passed, and he's probably okay to just be leaving on waiver wires here. Corey Kluber is another guy who I talked about on Twitter recently. He's been someone who's had some bad luck, and I actually want to pull up that tweet because I think it's pretty relevant to what uh, we're talking about here. So he's starting against the Angels tonight. This was five days ago after his last start, which was a poor start. But here's what I sent out. So a 628 ERA in those last five starts, which is dreadful. But the fielding independent pitching and X fielding independent pitching, so X expected, essentially, 322 and 323. So the ERA is about doubly as bad as the FIP and the FIP. That's one thing. He's striking out 22.8% of batters, which is right at the league normal. He's only walking 2.4% of batters in that time. And his CSW is 32.8%. All really good signs. And there's also signs that he's been unlucky too. A 364 BABIP, he's only leaving 57.7% of batters on base in that time frame. He's been a lot better than what the surface numbers would tell you, especially recently. It's a great matchup here for Kluber. Uh, I'm, I'm all in on an ad here for tonight, to be honest with you guys. Nick Lodolo has also been added quite a bit, and I talked about him. I think he's a strong start. He gets the Phillies, who he faced last time. And he went seven shutout innings, striking out eight batters. I always worry a little bit when you get the same team twice in a row, they start to pick up on things. But that can honestly kind of work both ways, too. Uh, Lodolo might pick up on some things as well. It's hard to predict, right? Two starts in a row against the same club, it can go either way. With the two starts in mind, especially later in the week against Washington, uh, I think Lodolo is a pretty strong add here. Him and Ross Stripling, if you're looking for those volume guys, hopefully get a couple more wins, a few more strikeouts. Those are the guys that I'm going to be going for here couple of other guys who have just slowly been added still a little bit more, George Kirby, Alec Bohm uh, and Alexis Diaz. I don't get why George Kirby is still only fifty two percent rostered. It's ridiculous, it's stupid. There are many worse pitchers out there. I can almost bet you that Walker Bueller is still higher rostered percentage. Walker Bueller has a higher roster percentage than George Kirby. Let's stop the insanity, okay guys. That makes no sense. Bueller is done for the season he had elbow surgery or. Maybe he hasn't had it yet. Actually, he's having it today. He's having, he's having elbow surgery today. Maybe some people thought that the Dodgers are bullshitting and they want to hold out. And 58%. Like, Jesus Christ, guys. That is brutal. I held on for a decent little while, probably longer than I should have. But the second they tell you the season's done with surgery, you got to take that at face value and drop him. If they announce today that Bueller is miraculously recovered and he's not having surgery and he'll be starting on Sunday, I will issue a full formal apology on the sports ethos letterhead. But I don't even know if we have a letterhead, actually. But that's just not going to happen. George Kirby is such a clear, obvious replacement in those leagues. Like I just, There's a bunch of guys who are clear replacements, really. Any warm body over Bueller at this point. He's not coming back. It doesn't make any sense. Drop him. Let's go and talk about some actual drops here, people that are actually being uh, getting rid of off of rosters here. Great phrasing, by the way, by me. But you guys know what I'm talking about. Who's been dropped today? Michael Kopech is number one. And yesterday, he probably had the worst possible start to fantasy playoffs that you could have had. He was, (laughs) like, it's, it's comical, really. He did not record an out. That is the first thing. So you're looking at those stats, especially on Yahoo. The ERA says infinity. The whip says infinity. That is obviously great. But he gave up one hit. He walked two batters. He allowed four runs. Somehow for the year, his ERA is only 3.58, despite how bad he's been over the last, God, decent little while anyway. He did correct it a little bit. He had a couple of good starts in there uh, early August, but it's been really a disappointing second half for Michael Kopech. The strikeouts have been gone, uh, haven't been getting wins. He has four wins in 110 innings. He's just not all that at this point, especially mixed with this knee injury. Oh, man. According to Tony La Russa, it's a hamstring injury, but it's been reported uh, as a knee injury by some places. I don't know. Who knows what to, what to believe out of Tony La Russa's mouth. A guy, a guy I grew up really, really admiring, and now it's he's, he seems like a drunk. Like, it's hard to say what the hell he's doing. He did it again the other night, walking a batter on a 1-2 count. Uh, you should have heard the broadcast if you guys didn't see that clip. Uh, wh- I, don't, I just don't get how he even has a job at this point of the season. The White Sox have underperformed. He's been looking like a half a corpse in the dugout half the time, falling asleep and just looking so frail. Like just retire. You don't need to be doing this anymore. I'm sure you're not. You know, trying to make money to support the next generation at this point. I'm pretty sure you're pretty set. Maybe you just love baseball. It doesn't appear like you love baseball at this point, Tony. I know Mike Carter, our friend who works for SB Streamer and Fantrax, massive diehard White Sox fan. <clears throat> I'm sure he is. All but through with Tony LaRusa and pretty much the entire roster, including Michael Kopak, at this point. I'm going to be dropping him at this point of the season. You just can't hold on to a guy with that kind of injury. If he goes on the injured list and you want to stick him on the IL, I guess he can. Uh, but what is he going to be coming back to even when he does return? He has not been very valuable. Like I said, the strikeouts have not been there, and overall it's just been really disappointing to roster Kopech down the stretch. Early in the season, you look like a genius if you drafted him, but at this point uh, I think he's got to be uh, gotten rid of from pretty much every single roster. If you do want to hold on a couple days and see what the, what the outcome of this injury is, then I'm not going to hold it against you, but I think for the most part we're pretty okay to, to be moving on from Kopech here. Jake Odorizzi has been the second most dropped player today. Slightly surprising because one, he did well yesterday, and two, there's another start coming up this week. I think this is more from you guys in Daily Changes Leagues who said, stream him in for Monday, I'll stream somebody else in for Tuesday, and another guy for Wednesday. Definitely a viable strat. I would probably have held on in most cases, try and get that second start, even just volume-wise. The first start, he's already got a victory and seven strikeouts for you, so... Even if he goes five strikeouts, not as great of an outing overall for the week. That's still very valuable. For the most part, I'm hanging on here. But if you have, like, unlimited moves, I understand uh, switching him out. This one, this one is a little bit worrisome for me. Vinny Pasquantino has a right shoulder injury. He had to leave Monday's game. But apparently he's felt similar things in the past, and it's not that big of a concern. Now, people are still concerned about this. They are dropping him. He's gone from 53% down to 51% rostered. I'm not there yet. I want to see what the hell that's going on with this injury first. Vinny has been so valuable, especially recently, that I would not want to drop him right now unless I really had to. Even if he misses a day or two, I think that's probably worth holding on to. You likely have another first baseman you can stick in there or add or whatever the case may be. I would do my best to not drop Vinny. Obviously, there are situations where you have to drop him, but I don't think we're there yet, really, even just where we are in the season And what they've said about this injury, he might be back tomorrow. He might be back today. Uh, It's really hard to say what's going to happen. So I'm not dropping him until we have at least some concrete news uh, about what this exact injury is, whether it's day-to-day IL stints, miss a week. Like I want to know more before I get rid of somebody who's been so great for like a month plus. Brett Beatty continues to be dropped, and yes, he has struggled. He's 3-for-24. Now, I said this yesterday. If you added him in, I am just holding at this point. I'm not going to be wasting an ad from last week. Likely you have maybe 30-ish ads left for the season if you added him just a few days ago, five, six days ago, whatever it was. That's pretty wasteful to just drop him here already. So I'm not even just for that reason because, one, that is a reason. You don't want to just be burning all your ads up, especially if they're done over the course of the entire season, not week by week. You don't want to be just burning them there. But he's actually been better than the numbers would say. His exit velocity is very good. He's hitting the ball very hard. Obviously, that home run on the first at-bat is going to stick with you for a while. The other stuff has not been great, but he's in a great lineup. He's going to turn it around. Uh, I don't have that much of a worry that he will, and if this goes on another few days, then yes, I would, I would be all right to drop him. But I'm still holding on for now. I don't think that there's that much of a need to switch him out now. Maybe if you can get like an Alec Bohm, I'm okay with it. But I think that Beatty is more than fine here to be hanging on to uh absolutely let's talk about aaron ashby he went on the il with some shoulder inflammation this one sucks because i've wrote about him a couple times but he was like the headline of my article or one of the headlines of my article from the weekend he was the picture that i used for it and i said that he was a great ad he's been very unlucky yada 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 and now he's on the 15 day il with shoulder inflammation so they retroactively did this back to August the 20th, so he's going to be out until the first week of September. If you have an IL slot, then I'd put him there. But it's really a tricky one. Shoulders are just so shit here. It's, I, I understand if you want to drop him. And if you don't have IL slots, then you need to drop him. But if you have that IL slot, you're not using it up on anybody, then it doesn't hurt to throw him in there. And I was looking at a couple of my teams yesterday I have excuse me I have Tyler McGill still on one of my teams just because I never needed to drop him there was just never anybody else getting injured he's just sitting there on the IL he's not going to have much value I don't think at all but I just haven't needed to go out of my way and drop him yet when you're playing in a lot of leagues you can lose track pretty easily of one or two of them especially if they're not as competitive so I'd forgotten about uh, Tyler McGill there and I looked the other day and I was like Jesus like he's still here but I didn't just rush and drop him. Like he's not going to have any value likely this season, but there's no need to just do it. You know, And when I need the spot, if I need the spot, then I'll drop him. But until I do, I don't know. I just feel like you can just leave him on there. And actually, as I say that, I just want to check Tyler McGill. He's going to throw a live batting practice on Friday. So who knows with Tyler McGill, Maybe he won't have a spot in the rotation. Probably it's been a useless spot to hold him in. But I didn't hold him there like hoping for the best. I just stuck him there because I had the space. And if you do have the space, a guy like Aaron Ashby is somebody who I'd still hold on to in the hopes that there can be some change here. Let's talk about Taylor Ward. And he's somebody that I'm really done with at this point of the season. The early season numbers are still (laughs) inflating what he's done as a whole here. He's ranked as the 224th player on the season, which is kind of borderline if you're doing that for the year. You're kind of a, I don't know, you're close to having value. 224, that would equal out to about 18th round value in in a standard 12-team league. One of your later draft picks. And you'd look at that and say it's pretty fine. But since he was hot at the beginning of the year, Taylor Ward has just been consistently bad. Four home runs over the last month, you might say it's all right, but 176 over that time frame. Won 16 over the last two weeks, and he's won for his last 20 as well this past week. There's just not a lot of good going on there. The Angels had one of the craziest changes in their season we've seen in the last couple of years, I think. They looked like they were going to win their division. They finally figured it out. Enough of wasting Trout and Otani and blah, 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 and then just garbage, just total garbage. And Ward has been one of those guys who you cannot count on especially over the last, really for most of the season. And we've just, you know, been fooled a little bit by looking at that ranking and thought, oh, Jesus, like he's a he's a top 40 player. There was a time where he was a first-round level player this season. He was like the 10th, 12th player for a while. And people were spending a lot of money on him, obviously, beginning of the year in Fab and then trading for him. And at this point of the year, I am more than okay to drop him for pretty much anybody. We mentioned J.J. Bleday earlier. I'll take J.J. Bleday rest of the season over Taylor Ward pretty comfortably that one for me is not even really a debate he just hasn't done it he hasn't done it in a long time and I'm totally ready to cut bait here let's keep it going now we will talk about a couple of matchups for tonight there are two in particular that I teased a little bit off the top so let's start with the lesser of the two Taiwan Walker and Frankie Montes. obviously Frankie Montes has not been quite as good as the Yankees would have hoped since they acquired him the last time out against the Jays was really rough six earned runs but he's obviously a lot better than that I think we can expect a bit of a turnaround here tonight, despite the tough opponent. Taiwan Walker, this has been one of the better seasons of his career. Now he has been pretty damn good, I think you can say. Now there was that eight earned run start against Atlanta that kind of uh, kind of screwed everything up, really. But for the most part, uh, Taiwan Walker has been somebody that you're very happy with if you drafted. Now his last start, he lasted only two innings. Uh, it was back spasm I believe that he left with but he is scheduled to start here tonight I'm not too worried that he'll be able to go out there and pitch fairly well against the Yankees team that has been struggling for a good month and a half so this one is a very entertaining matchup for me on both sides two very very talented starters but if you're just going to watch one baseball game tonight mm-hmm. I would say the best one to think about is the Brewers and the Dodgers 10:10 10, 10 p.m eastern time I believe it's the second straight night I'm highlighting the Brewers and Dodgers yesterday it was Lauer and Urias, which was a very good matchup there. Tonight we got Corbin Burns and Tony Gonsolin, two guys who I think have pretty legit chances for the Cy Young. Sandy Alcantara probably still the favorite, but he had a terrible start the other night. Sandy Alcantara, Gonsolin is actually the leader now in ERA. He's at two one two, and Alcantara is at two one nine. Freed uh, is at fourth currently at two four eight with Julio Urias between them there at two three six. But these guys. Really, the entire year have been two of the best pitchers to watch in all of baseball. We've been forecasting the downfall of Tony Gonsolin for what feels like the entire season at this point, or at least most of the season. What he's done is a fifteen and one record with a two one two ERA and a point eight five WHIP. Corbin Burns nine and five record, two four eight ERA, point nine three WHIP, with obviously those crazy strikeout numbers for Burns one hundred and eighty seven in one hundred and forty eight innings. This should be as entertaining as it gets. Again, you get these kind of matchups this time of year. We had Verlander and Cease a couple of weeks ago, and voters will remember those kind of outings when they're putting in their Cy Young ballots. How do they do up against another stud, another guy who they're competing with? If Corbin Burns goes out tonight and throws a shutout, that will bode well for him in the Cy Young voting. If Tony Gonsolin goes out there and throws a shutout, I think that he might honestly just like persuade some people, and that will be it for them because. It's just seeing Alcantara struggle the other night, and then you see his competitors doing well. It's like Shane McClanahan, but a little bit. not. We're not quite there yet because McClanahan had a couple of poor starts in a row, but we could easily see that with Alcantara. And if Alcantara does fall out of the race, fall out of number one, it'll be one of these two guys picking up the Cy Young. You could maybe make the case for Julio Urias, But I don't think that it's going to be uh, going his way because there's just so many Dodgers. And maybe that'll work against Gonsolin as well. They'll split the vote between Tyler Anderson and Gonsolin and Urias. Earlier in the year, I was thinking it was going to be Clayton Kershaw. He was my second-half pick uh, when we had Justin Mason on a few weeks back. We're making predictions, and he was the guy I was saying, I think that he's going to win the Cy Young here. He's going to get some legacy votes, blah, 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 last great season, and then he promptly gets injured, and that's end of story. But I still think that there's going to be a lot of, uh, or there's a potential anyway, for there to be some split votes amongst Dodger fans and Dodger voters and people who look in that situation and look at the rotation and figure out who's the best pitcher here. It's been Gonsolin this season. I think he can really do himself a favor in that balloting, in that voting process, if he has a good outing tonight. Both of these guys really can. I think it's more important for Gonsolin's case that he does do well, though. So guys, that is the matchup that I'm going to be, Definitely focusing on it. It's one of the best matchups all season. We've had a lot of good ones recently, but this one, I mean, it's just as good, right? It's not superior or inferior. It's just as good as those other ones we've seen over these last couple of weeks. That's going to do it for me here for today, for now, because later on in the day, I'm going to be live on the Triple Play Fantasy YouTube channel with Britton Allen, my friend, who I've been on a couple of panels with. He was on our trade deadline show. Uh, Speaking of Justin Mason, I was on the Potapalooza panel with him a few weeks back talking about some disappointing hitters. So Britton's a friend. I'm very honored to go on his program. It's called Three is a Magic Number, where we talk about the top three uh, players in any given batting order in the lineup. We're going to talk about a few different teams, uh, the Pirates. We are going to be talking about the Cardinals. There are a couple of players in particular on those teams and even on other teams that we're going to be mentioning. Really excited for that one. It'll be 3 p.m. Eastern time. If you guys want to tune in, Triple Play Fantasy on YouTube. Britain will share out the link. I will share out the link over on Twitter as well. That will do it until tomorrow, though, guys. So check us out. Check out that show later on at 3 p.m. Follow me over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O 99. Hit the five-star button, leave a positive review, follow, download, subscribe, all that great stuff. We'll see you again tomorrow. Cheers, everybody.